Let's pray. Father, we thank you for worship and the privilege we have to come before you and to, to proclaim, Jesus, we believe that you're better. We believe that you are better than, than life. You're better than riches. Your story is better than any other story written, and you've invited us into it. And so, Lord, this morning, would you, would you reveal to us your will and your way more and more through your word? Father, we believe that you have all authority, that you've revealed your word to us. So, Lord, we submit ourselves underneath it, and underneath its truth, help us to live our lives in such, in such a way that we display you, your glory, your fame, all that you are to this world. Help us, Lord. Grow us in you today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you'll turn with me to Colossians 3, um, that's where we'll be this morning. I'm going to take a little bit of time to get there, but um, we'll be in Colossians 3 in a little bit. Uh, just so you know, I have no idea what's going to happen with my voice. So yesterday, we, uh, um, I, in, uh, I went into an endeavor of coaching with my girls' um, 8U coach pitch softball team. We were in Alliance at a tournament yesterday, and so um, in Alliance yesterday, it was, uh, the, the, it was 182 degrees, and... Uh, <laughs> And there was a dust tornado that perpetually was on the infield. And so uh, this morning, my, my throat feels like someone took a wire brush to it. But it's okay. It's all good. I think I sound better. So, um, so um, this morning, and as we've gone through the series, um, two weeks ago, James Talbert um, preached an incredible sermon. He, he talked about we are, we are stuck, um, talked about how we live in a time where where Jesus came and he said, the kingdom of God has come, right? And so Jesus comes and he reveals himself. He says that the kingdom of God is coming, that one day Jesus is going to return. But we're kind of stuck in this in-between period that Jesus has come, his rule and reign is here, and one day it'll be forever. And what does it look like right now in our lives for us to engage in the purposes of God? Last week, um, Brandon Marshall, he spoke and he said that we are a sent people Right? Jesus said, as the Father, he says, Jesus says to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so now I am sending you. Right? Jesus had died, he rose from the dead, he's sitting with his disciples, and he says, hey, everything that I did with you, now the Father is going to commission you to do through the power of his Holy Spirit. And so today, we're going to talk about we are set apart, we're different, but, but um, if you'll allow me, could, could we just have an honest moment together as a congregation? Right, just as a group gathered in this room together. And the question is, how much do you believe that there's something broken inside of you? How, how much do you believe that something drastically needs to shift and change inside of your heart? See, I think at the point, if we don't believe this, which I'll be honest with you, I don't think most Christians do. If we don't believe at that very root level that there's something broken inside of me, 
there's very little hope for us to look very much like Jesus. What we will look like is we'll look like arrogant people who look down our noses at everyone else. Because see, there's this thing. I don't know if you remember way back. There, it's not that far back, but, but Shamu. Remember Shamu? Everybody, right? The killer whale. There was this shock across the nation that this woman who was, and it was a tragic accident that she, I mean, she was killed by Shamu. By the way, he's a killer whale. So we're clear here. And, uh, and so there's this thing that, like, if you train and mess with killer whales, there is a high probability, I'm just saying, there is a high probability that something very bad is going to happen to you, right? I mean, I'm just saying. Like, if you're a lion tamer, I'm just, if anyone in this room is a lion tamer, I'm just telling you, it's a very dangerous pr- profession because a lion, like, Lions eat things, right? They take things that are alive and they grab them by the neck and they just do a jerk and you're dead. Like, that's how it works. I've watched National Geographic. I kind of like that stuff. I mean, that's what happens when you mess with these things. And this is what sin is in our life. It is this thing that we kind of act like, oh, I'm a Christian, so, so it isn't really going to bug I'm telling you, it's, it's like a lion, It's like a killer whale. If you don't begin to deal with this stuff inside of you, it will get you. And if you just act like, I don't don't have anything to work on, I'm good. And, And there's different categories of that typically in a church. You know, the different categories of that in a church typically are the people that maybe were born into it. Now, I'll let you know on the front end, I'm like all three of these. A little dust in my mouth. And so, uh, <clears throat> so I'm, 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 I'm all three of these. So just so you know, I'm preaching to myself. There are those of you, like, when, when I was born, like, my mom, like, birthed me in the church. Like, people were like, oh, that's disgusting. Like, I was born, like, in the church. I, I, I grew up in the church. I was raised in the church. And, and that, that kind of thing, what happens to typically people that are born in the church is there's a sort of entitlement. That, that I'm born into this thing, and like I, I just like go through the motions of it. Typically, when you're born into this sort of entitlement, what we've seen is people have grown up through youth groups, is you just kind of like sin with like your Christian friends, and it's really not that big of a deal. Like my Christian friends and these friends, like we do this Jesus thing on Sunday. We do it every time, every once in a while during the week, but but like I don't really trouble myself with sin because I'm entitled. I was born into the kingdom. Jesus is, Jesus is my inheritance. It's not true. It's not how it works. There, there are those that are in the church that, that it's this thing like, I, I just have to work myself to the Lord. And so I've got to join every Bible study. I've got to do everything the church offers. And if I do everything that the church offers, if I, if I live in this way, maybe, 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 hopefully... Hopefully, at the end of my life, I will have done more good than bad, and Jesus will accept me. And, and maybe, and I'm oversimplifying this, and then maybe there's this other setting, group of people. And I, I do believe this exists, and I believe it's existing in greater and greater ways. So people that say, Jesus is my only hope. 
In him is my salvation found. And in him is the one that, that he loved me and he came and he died for me. And I didn't inherit this through my parents, but this is something I've submitted my own life to. I can't believe that Jesus would die for me. And I don't have to do one thing for him, but I want to do everything for him because of what he has done for me. And this is the kind of Christianity that we're going to read about in Colossians. This is what Paul is going to plead and plead and plead. Colossians, don't turn toward your works. Don't think this is something you come by by birth. This is something that you truly, genuinely have to engage yourself into. But see, the thing is, is this thing called the faith, it's not something that, you know, our, our, our non-denomination or another denomination or whatever that, that is made up. There's this, there's this bigger thing that's happening. And that's really what this Saturate series is all about. A, a real question of not only do I want to deal with where I am, but do I want to meet God where he is? And do I want to begin to engage in God? You know, Martin Luther King wasn't the only person who had a dream. God has clearly stated in his word that he has a story. He has something that he is unfolding. He has a dream and a plan and a vision for us. Habakkuk 2.14 says this. And this is, this is, you'll see this in Jesus. We'll see this all through. It says Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What is God's desire for us in human? He desires for his glory to be, to, to be displayed throughout the earth. We'll, we'll take that really small. Throughout Stark County as the waters cover the sea. He desires saturation of his gospel in every facet and every corner of society. He desires it in business, in education, in government, in family, in religion, and on and on. And this is what we're going to focus on through the rest of this series this summer, is what does it look like for gospel saturation to happen, yes, even in government? What does it look like for us to be a people that engage and engage in this greater plan of what God is doing in this world? You know, Jesus, so the dream is gospel saturation. And this is not Ryan Johnston's dream. This is this is, this is God. This is what he wants. He wants and is inviting us to engage in this greater thing that he is doing in this world. You know, Jesus was clear when he left his disciples, he left them with a mission before he ascended. He said, now go and make disciples. And for Jesus, discipleship wasn't this, you know, he didn't say, hey, go and make disciples and make sure you attend church every Sunday. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I think this is really important what we do. But what Jesus was talking about was making disciples in every facet and every area of their life. And this is when we talk about our own lives in this room. What, what God wants in each of our hearts is he wants to take control of every area of our life. Our head, our heart, where we go, what we do, how we do it, the motives behind it. He wants complete rule and reign. And this is what discipleship is. It's an all of life thing. So Colossians 3.11, let's read together um, this one verse that we'll be focusing on this morning. Colossians 3, verse 11 says, Here 
There is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So here in this passage, um, maybe a little bit of context of Colossians. So Paul is really typical in his letters how he writes. The first two chapters, the first beginnings, is he's going to say, hey, Jesus is everything. Jesus is awesome. He's the invisible creation of the God. I mean, Jesus is fantastic. He is awesome. He has come. He has died. He has rose. You were lost. You were captive. You were dead. Jesus came. He died. He rose. He's going to just highlight and exalt, hey, don't forget about Jesus. In the first two chapters of Colossians, this is what Paul does. He's going to say, hey, Jesus is everything. Jesus is everything. You've lost sight of Jesus. Don't lose sight of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Are you with me? Jesus. I mean, it's all about him. The one who came, the one who died, the one who was buried, the one who rose from the dead, the one who reigns on high today. Don't lose sight of Jesus. Don't move back to your inheritance. Don't move back to your works. Focus on the one who came and died for you. Don't lose sight of him. And then what he'll do is he'll transition and he'll say, okay, now that you haven't lost sight of him, this is what it looks like to live this out in normal everyday life. In almost all of his letters, that's what he's going to do. And so he's going to say, okay, your identity, make sure it's solid and found in Jesus. And now let your behavior in life flow out of that. Now, we have tension with that, right? Because Because sometimes the Christianity that we've seen and observed in our life is that our character and our identity and what we say we believe sometimes don't really fit together, right? There are these things that that we have, you know, I say I believe this, but I act like this. And this is what Paul is dealing with. He's saying, if you say you believe in Jesus, then your behavior and your conduct should be like this. Now, it's not your behavior should be like this, and then you can believe in Jesus. It's it's not that way. It's if you believe this, and you genuinely believe this, what I'm telling you is that if it's a true faith, not some false kind of faith, some, you know, if example in this room is if you think you've inherited the kingdom of God just because you were born into a Christian family, right, and you're, you're over here and you say, I'm good. I don't have any sin. The scriptures say you're a liar, and there is no truth in you, and you will be cast away from the Heavenly Father forever if you say you have no sin. Not something like, oh, yeah, I did at one time. No, like right now in your life. If you're saying there's no wickedness in you, there's no, there's no struggle, there's no frustration, there's no trial, you are a liar. And I just quoted scripture. That wasn't me. I didn't write the mail. I just delivered it, Right? And so, so, so here, if you, what he's saying is that, that, that your identity, find it in Christ, and then your behavior, right? Once you find your identity in Christ, your behavior will reflect that which you believe. That's just true, right? Your, your behavior, your, your, <clears throat> what you believe is true will be reflected in your behavior, and so, so here in this text, he, at the beginning of, of Colossians, he'll say, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated, seated. Seek the things that are above. So it'll be the set and seek. And so the, the, the tension here is in, in this text is what, what Paul is going to be calling them to, kind of pre what we're going to get into, is 
this hope in verse 4, he says, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so in, in verse 3, 4, what he's going to do is say, hey, that, that Jesus is your everything. He's solidified this. And then he's going to say, seek him, set your mind on him, find all of your identity in him. When Christ who is your life then appears, you will also appear with him in glory. So set all your hope in him. And then it's going to go in this long list and put to death. Now, we know that there are some things that as Christians we ought not do. Are you with me? I mean, is there any things as Christians? Now, we've made long lists of those, and I'm going to leave you to read that text and come to your own convictions about what it is that, that because of your love of Jesus are things that you are not going to partake of in this world because it might defile you or, or move you away from his path and his plan and his ways and his perfection and glorifying him to the most in your life. But he's going to transition. He's going to say, put to death what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, and it will go on and on and on. And then he's going to transition and say, we need to put on this new self. And then in verse 11, he's going to distinguish that we are a set-apart people. Because in the faith, we're different. We have a different set of values. We are, we are a set-apart people for his purposes in this world. And as a set-apart people, he says there is no barbarian. In verse 11, he says, as a set-apart people, here there is not Greek or in Jew. There's no ethnic differences, circumcised and uncircumcised. It doesn't matter what religious background you have. Barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. It doesn't matter what caste of society that you are from. Whether you are rich, whether you are poor, whether you are beautiful, whether you are ugly, whether you're pretty ugly, whatever it is, like it doesn't matter. Wherever it is that you come from, everybody gets in. And so he's saying this is an all people's thing. Greek, Jews, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, city, and free. All people's. The hope is in Jesus Christ alone. Now, hope is not in works. It's not in the assumption that I'm coming into this by lineage. So again, church, here, our hope is in Jesus Christ alone. He is the one and the only one who came and he died and he rose and he is seated on high. He is the one and the only one that has ever had his body beaten and bruised for the sins of humanity. He is the only one that will atone, will pay the penalty for your sins and my sins on the cross. There was none like him. There will never be one like him. You know, we're in the middle of the NBA, you know, basketball stuff. And there's big argument. Who's the greatest player ever? Not Steph Curry. But just so we're clear. And, you know, is it LeBron? Is it all these things? Just so you know that... that and, and Muhammad Ali just died, and who's the greatest boxer ever? Just so you know, Jesus is the undisputed Savior of the world. There is none like him, none will be ever. And so, so in this church, do you believe this? No. Do you believe this? Does your life reflect that you believe this? And this is important, church. Because the first question I asked 
and this question are really important to put together. Do you believe that you are broken and in need? And do you live that way? And do you believe that Jesus is the undisputed Savior of the world and you have put all your chips in life toward him? Saying that when I wake, I want him to be the one I love most today. And when I talk to my neighbor, I want to reflect his glory so badly. And, and when I go to work, oh, that I would bring him glory in the midst of the cubicle and the craziness. Now I'm talking about myself. And, and oh, that I would, like, at school, that somehow, kid, some student would see Christ in me. Because when we actually say that I believe that Jesus is the undisputed Savior of the world, and I believe I'm broken, I'm putting all my chips, and I'm hoping that I can glorify him somehow in this body of flesh, and all the craziness that is Ryan Johnston, and I'm well aware of the craziness that is me. You get to see it every Sunday. I know this. And there's a lot of craziness in each and every one of us in this room, and I say that with all due respect. Church, we need to hear this. We need a new affection. We need a new love. And I need to start loving Jesus way more than I love the stuff of this world, way more than I love my sin, way more than I love anything else. That's that song, Jesus is better than all my riches. Help make my heart believe. I love that line because I know my heart it is prone to wander. It's prone to chase after all kinds of things that are empty and dry wells. But Jesus, in him there is life. So Jesus, here in this text, what Paul will say is Christ is all, and Christ is in all. Again, for Jesus, discipleship wasn't you know, as he walked and talked with these 12 disciples over time, it was as they were walking down a road and there was a tree. It was as they were having a conversation and there was a demon cast down. They were like, hey, Jesus, that was just really crazy what just happened. And he's like, I know, right? And then he's like, but let me tell you what this is like. And it was in every facet of their life, in every position, in every square, in every corner. This is what Jesus was discipling them. And so some of us in this room... Maybe you have thought discipleship is a class, or discipleship is a course I take, or a set of principles, and there is discipleship contained within that. But discipleship is not a class, it's not a course. Discipleship is an all-of-life commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, and anything we do in regards to that. But it, and, and so, in some ways, our minds need to expand to see that Jesus is, is inviting me to bring all of my life in every facet underneath his authority. And so for Jesus, again, discipleship was an all-of-life thing. And so again, the first thing it says there at the end of verse 11 is Christ is all. This is a definitive statement that he makes, but Christ is all. He, what he's speaking of here is, Christ is all. He is the totality of concern for the believer. That, that everything I'm concerned about somehow involves the Lord Jesus. It's the totality of our preoccupation, that he is the one that we think of, that we dream about, that he is the one embedded within sight of every moving part of our life. Jesus Christ is all. He is everything. 
And this is, again, everyday people in everyday places believing that in everyday, in, in all of us, we are a large collection of very ordinary people. And what he's choosing to do and what he's always chosen to do is to take very ordinary people and move those ordinary people into these everyday places with everyday people to do supernatural things because of the indwelling presence of his Holy Spirit. And so, so what Jesus is doing here in this text and what this text is calling us to, it's this definitive statement about who he is. Jesus Christ is all. Anything done or accomplished outside of the will and the way of Jesus Christ will fade and fall away. It will be hopeless. It will be pointless. As much as I won a championship from my team, it will fade and it will go away. As much as I want this future or that future for my children, anything apart from Christ, it will fade and it will fall away. Any hope or dream I have that's apart from Jesus Christ, it will fail and fall away. Everything, he is all. This is the definitive thing. And so for us, what that means is church isn't an event. Church is an identity. This is who we are. And it's a recognition as we embrace an identity as a church that, that my life really matters in regards to the kingdom of God. That Jesus really wants to use me as I am saying that, Jesus, you are all. You are everything. But not only that, it doesn't say that Jesus Christ is all. It says that Jesus Christ is in all. This is a unique statement. He'll use all and in all. He'll use all and all three other times in the scriptures, but he will never use this phrase in any other occurrence but this, that Jesus Christ is all and in all. And Jesus Christ is in all is what he's calling us to is he's in all is a, the totality of the environment of the Christian life. That Jesus Christ, I'm inviting him in to invade every space of my heart and my life. This is challenging. I think if we're honest, that he wants to invade my personal space. He wants to invade my time in the car. He wants to invade the time in, as I'm watching, as I'm binge watching something on Amazon Prime or Netflix. Right? He wants to invade every spot in every space, quiet, public, private, everything. The Christian life isn't just something like, okay, I, I came, I did my Christian activity, I came to church, and now I'm going to go kind of do my thing, and I'm, I'm really glad I came into God's space for a little bit, because I feel better about my life, and now I'm going to go out into my space and do my thing, and then next week I'm going to come back into God's space, and I hope it really helps me. And I think some of us really kind of think like that. Maybe we don't even know we think like that. That, okay, we came into the sanctuary of God, the house of God. We might say words like that. So I came into God's space. Just so you know, God's space, like, really doesn't end. Like, God's like, man, I'm so glad I created everything in six days because now I just rest six days. Those people, they come in for one day. We do some work. They go out. I go to sleep for six days. and come. Back. God never sleeps, rests, or slumbers. He is in every facet, in every corner, in every pocket, and he is watching over us all the time in all spaces, in all places. And what is he desiring from us in all of those spaces, in all those places? He's 
desiring for us to glorify him in word and deed and action and motive that I would glorify him, that I would honor him, that I would exalt him because he is in all. He is the totality of the environment of the Christian. And so maybe from our own hearts we can make this statement, and this is really, I'm going to challenge us to it now and in a minute at the end. But maybe we can begin to make this statement in our our lives. As I believe that Christ is all, and I desire for him to be in all, that I might bring glory to the Father, to see his glory cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. I'll say it again, that this might be our heart, collectively as a church and individually, that we might say, I believe that Christ is all. And I desire for him, and I desire him to be in all, that I might bring glory to the Father and see his glory cover the earth as the water covers the sea. And again, I'll go really back down to start counting. Might, is it possible for the glory of God to cover Stark County as the water covers the seas if we in these two services this morning just became very serious about him being all and in all in our lives? My emphatic answer is yes, 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 yes. Glen Oak, Jackson, North Canton, Lake, Perry, and every school I just didn't say, it is possible for the glory of God to cover those schools as the water covers the sea. And that is not through a youth program or event, but it's through students grabbing hold of a vision of their God being supreme and all and in all and living for his glory. Is it possible in our public education systems to see Jesus Christ move rapidly and his grace cover them as the water covers the seas, as the believers within, as the parents outside, and all of us together begin to live for his fame and his glory and believe that he is all and he is in all. And whether I'm standing in a car line waiting for my kids, sitting in the stands, whatever I'm doing, that I can make an impact for his glory and his glory can cover, that his glory can cover our school systems as the water covers the sea. I believe that is true, and I believe that is his vision. Our neighborhoods, our businesses, every place and facet of our society, this is possible. And just so you know, no one being elected is is capable of this kind of thing. Jesus, when he died, like, when he died, what, what happened? This is substantial what happened when he died. See, he he died knowing that an epidemic was about to break out, and it was the greatest epidemic of all proportions of all times. It was himself what, what happened. Jesus died alone and rejected. Jesus rises from the dead. He empowers men to go out, ordinary men to go out. And these ordinary go out in a supernatural way. And we've said this, I think, a few weeks here. Why did they go out in a supernatural way? Not because they simply believed Jesus died for them. Because they believed he lived inside of them. Jesus multiplied himself into those 12. Those 12 will multiply themselves into thousands upon thousands. Those thousands will multiply themselves upon thousands upon thousands. And we are a continuation of that movement here today. And what is the expectation of us? That we will be filled with his presence in all spaces. We will go out and we will do this. And his his glory will cover the earth Through his people. Jesus is not dead, church. He is alive and he lives in you. 
And the possibilities of that are endless. But if it's dependent on me, there's not much hope. And the church said, amen, right? So how and what does this look like? Well, I believe one, individually, what does this look like for us as individuals? It begins with uh, each of us saying, I believe, I believe that I'm a player, that I'm not on the bench, that I'm not on the sideline, I am not preparing to play in the future, but I am a player in this thing called the movement of God for all time and eternity. And that I believe that in God's story, he has invited me in to play. And if we, if we act as though that I'm a B, C, D, E, F team, we will just, everyone in this room, you're, you're on the team. You get to play. Now, there are some of you that might be injured. There's some of you that, that might need healing, restoration. You might not need more some training. But just so you know, you're a player. And so individually, we recognize that I'm a player in this thing. And I'm an influencer rather than one being influenced. That, that I need to position myself, that God has asked me to influence those around me because of his indwelling presence in me. And I need to begin to ask the question in my own life, am I being influenced by culture so much that I look nothing like a believer in Jesus? And my convictions and my values and what I hold to and what I say and what I eat and what I drink and how I act. Recognizing that, that he has called me to be an influencer rather than being someone perpetually influenced by. Now I am influenced by his word, by, by believers who model and live this thing out. I am influenced by the Lord Jesus and his indwelling presence in me as I spend intimate time with him. But by culture, I will not, I desire not to be influenced by this culture. And just so you know, this culture that is fastly falling away from anything that our God holds to. But more, maybe most importantly, individually, is that I embrace who I am. I embrace who I am, that I am a child of God. I am saved. I am redeemed. I am secure. My hope is in him. My identity is in him. I don't have to do anything to be more or less saved. He is fully done the work for me that I did not deserve. And in him, I have life and I have that more abundantly. That Jesus is the one that when I drink from him, I am full and I am satisfied. That Jesus, his story is the greatest story that has ever unfolded and that will ever unfold. And I don't have to chase after these empty stories and these empty pursuits and these empty things that everything tells me and everybody tells me I have to. This moment of embracing that who he has made me to be and beginning to live out gratefully out of what he has done for me. And so that's individually. We're all players. We're influencers. And ultimately, we have an identity that is secure and fast and held in him. And so then together, as the church, that's what we are, the church. We're gathered here this morning, the church, the body of Christ. What do we do? We become a people that are identified by people that Rest all of our hope and all of our trust in Jesus Christ alone. That we are a gospel people. 
that we believe in the gospel above all things and the redemptive work of Jesus, that, that together we love each other as family, that when I look across the aisle and I look around me, I recognize that in these two rows, three, four rows, these are people that are my brothers and sisters, and so I need to treat them as such. I need to love them as such. I need to come alongside of them as such. And I need to live in faith because I know I have brothers and sisters. That, you know, example would be that today, that out of Deb and I's excess, we can give, knowing that even if we drained our bank account, I have brothers and sisters that as we act in faith, will come alongside if we ever need help and to become alongside of. Brothers and sisters, real people of the faith, gave to each other as they had need, Acts 2, 42. That we see each other as a family. So we're centered on Jesus. We are a family in him. And we're recognizing that he is calling us on a mission together. And we desperately need each other to do that. If we desire to see his grace cover Stark County as the water covers the sea, we cannot do that as lone rangers. We cannot do that as individuals alone. We desperately need to do that alongside of each other, encouraging and building up because the mission is too hard. It's too challenging. I need people beside me, locked arm to arm with me to see this happen. And then as we engage in these core principles within our life as loving Jesus, being a family, being on mission together, we begin to say that we believe that Jesus wants to change every facet, every pillar of our society. So over the next seven weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to engage in those seven pillars. Next week will be education. Um, two weeks, it'll be business. And we're going to talk about what the scriptures say about these things and what does it look like for us to engage in these. So we'll talk about family, education, religion, business, arts and entertainment, media and government, and many other things in between all of these. Asking the question, what does it look like for the earth to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea? What does it look like for us as his church to engage in every facet of our society? Because the dream, I believe, of God in Stark County is this, that every man, woman, and child would have a daily encounter with Jesus because he is all and in all, and each of us live our lives to glorify him. I believe that he desires... For every man, woman, and child to have a daily encounter with Jesus because we, his church, exist within our culture. That tomorrow at Timken, that multiple people have an encounter with Jesus Christ because they encountered you. That tomorrow when the dogwood pool opens, it's a joke. The people have an encounter with Jesus at the pool this summer because you're there and he lives inside of you. That camp in two weeks as we go, the people have an encounter with Jesus that you go along with students. By the way, I'm going to camp. It's going to be fun. Uh, people have a daily encounter with Jesus because you're there. Maybe people that don't know Christ that are going with us. As you go to a restaurant, as we go to every place, that people have encounters with Jesus because he lives inside of us and he's there. So, again, this morning, saturate, and this is maybe kind of a, a tie-up of the last two weeks and then a casting vision ahead. I hope you, you know this about your pastor. This is my heart, my dream, and my vision. This is something God has burnt deep in my soul a long, long time ago. 
that the church would be the church. That we would believe that we are incredibly broken and believe that we have been incredibly saved by our Savior and let loose of everything and live for his name and his glory humbly and gratefully in every space that he places us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, exhausting, exhausting all of our time and all of our resources until we see him face to face. And then when he looks at us, he will say, well done, the good and faithful servant. But until then, might we as a church embrace our Father's vision to spread his glory on this earth as the water covers the sea. And might we sell out and give everything in our lives to see that happen in Stark County. And maybe, maybe one day, after we're all gone, people will say, in America, in some of the most trying of times, there was a group of people that just simply believed that their God was enough. And something something drastically different happened that was supernatural and unexplainable. I'm telling you, as we do this, there's going to be risks. It won't be easy. But I promise you, it will be worth it. And I'm in. Because I believe that Jesus Christ is all, and he is in all. And he is worthy of all my life. Church, do you agree? Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we believe today that you came. Jesus, you came, you died, you rose, you sit on high. That Jesus, you are and in all, you are everything. And we desire that our lives would reflect you, your name, your glory, your supremacy. In every space, in every place, in all of our lives. So Jesus, help us. Help us to move forward and to take new ground wherever you find us this morning. Help us to surrender our lives fully to you and everything that you might be glorified. Grow us, shape us today. Jesus, we believe that you are all and in all. Move our lives to reflect this which we believe. And this I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. And as you stand this morning, we're going to sing a song that you might know. It's called Be Thou My Vision. And I'm going to invite you, if, if you would desire, to come down to the altar and to pray. And this isn't to talk to me. Unless you want to, I'd love to talk to you. But to come down and just maybe commit to whatever God said to you this morning. Maybe simply to say just a, a stake in the ground of saying, Jesus, I believe you are all and in all. And help my life reflect that. And by coming and kneeling down here, you're just kind of driving a stake in the ground of your face saying, I believe this is true. Or you sing the words of the song, Be Thou My Vision, and that's just your heart. That's what you want him to be, and you want to come down and kneel and pray that that would be true. Maybe you want to come pray for our church and our body that this would be true, what we've said today. I invite you to come now as we sing.
And we might not rush out, but truly, truly deal with what God has said in our hearts.